0: Proverbs Chapter One. If you could turn there, right after the Book of Psalms, should be easy enough to find. God created this world. And <clears throat> he created it a certain way. And he created it this way intentionally to show us spiritual realities. Now, we normally think of things the reverse way. Okay, we normally think that. Uh, the analogies that are given are things that, in, in, the, in the Bible, we, we see all kinds of metaphors and analogies, right? Comparisons are made like um, the sword of the Spirit. Well, the sword of the Spirit is an analogy, Right? But where did it come from? Normally what we tend to think is because we see and spend all of our time in this physical world, we think of it as though the, the world came about and then God was trying to explain to us these spiritual realities. And so he began to look around for something that would be sort of like what he was what he was trying to explain to us in his word, right? That's how we would think, that's how we create, that's how we create analogies. But with God, it's exactly the opposite. He created the world with the meanings, with the things that it has, so that he could show us these realities. So we have the sword of the Spirit and the bread of heaven. Jesus calls himself the door. We're called the children of God. God is a father. These are not just conveniently somewhat similar to things on earth. This is not an accident that we have all of these things. These things on earth were made for the purpose of these analogies and metaphors so that we could understand the truths they represent. And so today is Mother's Day. And what we want to do this morning is learn why God made mothers Right? Why did God make mothers? What did he mean by making mothers? If he meant something by making fathers, and what he meant to do was to teach us that he is the father, then surely he meant something by making mothers as well. One of the struggles that we have, the difficulties that we face, is that families are broken today. And so family relations are messed up. And so because of that, uh, motherhood is misunderstood, undervalued. And therefore, we are at a disadvantage as we attempt to unveil what motherhood is supposed to teach us. So, The first thing that we have to do is we have to learn what motherhood is. And then we have to learn to value it. But we can't learn to value motherhood as we ought until we learn what motherhood itself actually is. Then we can learn what it teaches us. So please stand as we read Proverbs 1 7 through 9. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head, and ornaments about your neck. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So this morning, our sermon is applicable to everybody. Not just to mothers, right? Part of the reason we would say the sermon is applicable is because we've all had what? Mothers. And that's something that's important about motherhood. It's a a universal experience, right? That we've all been born. You see this in the New Testament. Man is not independent, but comes out of woman, right? But it's also applicable to all of us because we read in the New Testament in Galatians 4, starting in verse 26, it says, But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For more numerous are the children of the desolate than of the one who has a husband. And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. So we are a church. We're called the children of promise. In this passage, the children of promise are in reference to the mother, right? And the mother is the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. Now, if I spent the rest of the morning talking about the Jerusalem above, she is our mother, we might be tempted to be irritated because aren't we supposed to be celebrating Mother's Day? our literal mothers, the mothers here in this building, right? But remember, what did we see? We have to learn what motherhood is before we can truly value motherhood and our own mothers the way we ought to. Does that make sense? We learn where this motherhood, this earthly, quote-unquote, real motherhood comes from, as we look at the spiritual reality that it's compared to. The motherhood that we have here is very real, very real to us especially, right? And yet it is a dim shadow of the spiritual reality that it represents, that Jerusalem above, she is free, she is our mother. So if you think about the Jerusalem above, this is what we refer to as the church, capital C. This is why you'll hear people say the church is our mother. God is our father and the church is our mother. We are a church. And so in some sense, this church is to be a mother, lowercase m, the same way that you are to be mothers, women, lowercase m. But all of it connects to this bigger picture, this reality of the spiritual motherhood of the Jerusalem above, the capital C Church, made up of all of the believers. So if we think of motherhood... And we need to learn what motherhood is in order to uh, learn the value, to honor it the way we ought to, to honor our mothers the way we ought to. Then let's go to the very, very basics. In order to have something. Called motherhood, in order for a mother to exist, you need three things you need a man, and you need a woman, and what? A A child. Until you have children, you don't have motherhood, right? Isn't that weird? You're not a mother until you're a mother. You're not a mother until you have children. It's it's as basic as you get. But how does another person existing make you suddenly something else? you think about that? In other words, children are a blessing. Why does that follow? <laughs> well, be, it, it follows because you don't receive the gift of motherhood until you receive the gift of children. Right? Once you have received the gift of children, then you have received the gift of motherhood. But not until that time. So this is, there's, some, there's some sort of maybe circular reasoning that we can do here. It, in, in, in one sense, today is, Mother, is Mother's Day, and so we think highly of mothers today, And therefore, I turn it around and I say, therefore, children are a blessing. Or maybe you tend to think not so much about motherhood being good, but you think of children being good. In either case, either they're both good or they're both bad. Because there's no separating motherhood from having children. So either being a mother is a blessing and having children is a blessing, because they're one and the same, or they're both a curse. Well, of course, what we see in our passage is this command to honor our mothers, to not forsake our mothers' teaching. the the blessing of motherhood is shown all through scripture and this passage that i read in galatians commands the barren woman to rejoice to break forth and shout and why well because more numerous are the children of the desolate than of the one who has a husband what is that it's a quote from the old testament what is it talking about well we're talking about the spiritual reality of children right there more than we're talking about the earthly reality of having children and being a mother right because he's talking about the Jerusalem above being the mother But when you see that it's talking about the spiritual, you cannot then write it off and be like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a blessing to, for, for there to be like spiritual fruit. But really what I want is earthly fruit. That's to flip the whole metaphor on its head and to say the Jerusalem above is called a mother simply because we know motherhood here, right? When I say children are a blessing, when I say motherhood is a high calling, the reason that we know that that's the truth isn't because we look purely at the physical and we say, hey, this is great. Because there's an awful lot of the work of being a mother that isn't great, right? There's an awful lot of it that has to do with cleaning up nasty stuff. It starts with labor, which is not pleasant in and of itself. So if we look purely at the physical reality of having children and we think that somehow from that we're supposed to realize, oh, hey, yeah, this is great. This is wonderful. This is, this is, such, a, this is such a fantastic thing. That's why God decided to talk about his church, the, the Jerusalem above, as a mother. No, because look at our world. The world around us looks at motherhood and thinks very little of it, right? It looks at the work and is like, eh, maybe I'll... I mean, that would be good a little bit. I think I might try it out sometime. Psalm 127 Starting in verse 3, it says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. And then again Psalm 128, Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children like olive plants around your table. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. So if we look at children and we look at motherhood like our culture looks at it, we're going to evaluate it purely on the physical level. And we're going to say, does this bring me joy? Does this bring me joy? Does this bring me pleasure? Does this bring me pleasure? Let's evaluate the the varying levels of good and bad in this, weigh it all out, and decide whether it's good or not. Well, it would be good for me to have one child, but I don't think it would be good for me to have two children. It wouldn't be nearly as pleasant. It wouldn't be, right? I mean, this is the way that the world thinks... Of motherhood. <clears throat> well, how do we know that motherhood is actually better than that? We can look at the physical world, we can look at this earthly reality, and we can say certain things about the, the nature that God has put in us. that even, even the man who hates his father often still has a, a very tender spot in his heart to, towards his mother, right? There are certain things that we can look at and we can see here in this world. But the way that we ultimately know motherhood is by looking at what are earthly Metaphor comes from. The Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. And then what does it talk about? Immediately, it talks about fruitfulness, doesn't it? Why? Well, because what you want is for there to be spiritual fruit from the church, our mother. You want there to be children. And what are the children to be? They're to be brought up by the teaching of the mother in the way of the father. And isn't that exactly what we see in Proverbs? Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. And so we ought to desire children as a blessing of the Lord, because he says they're a blessing. But also because we understand why they are a blessing. We can never think that way about children in our families until we think that way about the church, our family. Because that's the one that precedes physical motherhood. We ought to desire that the church have children as well. And we ought to desire to do the work of mothering as a church. Once we understand that to be a good thing, then we'll be able to understand families, mothers, children as good things. Mothers bring us into existence. I already referenced this in 1 Corinthians 11, though. let me read it to you, starting in verse 7. For a man ought not to have his head covered, since he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. For man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. For indeed, man was not created for the woman's sake, but woman for the man's sake. Therefore, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. However, in the Lord, neither is woman independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as the woman originates from the man, so also the man has his birth through the woman. And all things originate from God. Apart from mothers, nobody exists. And yet, what does the passage do immediately? It then says, and all things originate from God. The Bible never separates out this earthly and the spiritual. They're always brought together. They're always addressed at the same time. So this spiritual thing, this this reality, this deeper reality of motherhood, is that the church bears spiritual children for the Lord. And this is a good thing, a beautiful thing. It's what he wants from us as a church, that we would bear children in his name. And one of the ways that we do that is by having physical children, but not just having physical children, right? Right? Having those children and then what? Teaching them his commands. Raising them to do what he has commanded. This is the work of mothering. So we do that as a church. We are a mother to souls. You just see it work its way out in level, you know, one level down to the next level, down to the next level. And the most basic level, or the simplest level, is physically having children. It used to be that <clears throat> uh that you could talk about the the desire for children that a man had and that people would understand what you were talking about. Today, though, it's sort of everything so twisted around and turned upside down that it's just kind of crazy talk to a lot of people. But think for a second about Jacob, and you read about the competition between Rachel and Leah, his two wives, right? And he loves Rachel more. I mean, yeah, he loves Rachel more than Leah, right? And yet Leah keeps giving birth to sons. And what does she think? As you you, you read what she's thinking as she names her sons, what is she thinking about? She's she's desiring what? She's desiring the love and approval of her husband. And she has sons. And what's the what's her reaction? Her reaction when she has a son is one of joy. Why? Because she knows that this is what her husband wants. She knows he wants sons. She knows he wants children. Well, this is the way that God, our Father, is. He wants children. He wants us to bear fruit and to raise up a godly seed. And so one of the reasons that we honor mothers... I mean there's a special day, it's a holiday, it's uh, you know, it's on the calendar, it's in the it happens even in the United States. Okay? But why is it that we that we would bother in the United States today to honor motherhood? Well, the real reason is because we still know That we wouldn't exist if it wasn't for mothers. I I think that's the real reason in the United States today why this still happens. And that is absolutely a true and good thing about mothers, right? We wouldn't exist without them. But is that really all that we have to say about motherhood? Is that the sum total of like, hey, Thanks, Mom. I like existing. It's all about me still at that point, right? That's just pathetic. Can our honoring of motherhood go further than that? Can our honoring of our own mothers go further than that? Well, the only way that we can speak of our existence as being a good thing without it being just self-serving, like, oh, hey, I like existing, is if we go back to the purpose that God created within us and say, it is, a, it is a good, capital G, good, for women to get married and to give birth to children. Therefore, what you have done in giving birth to me is Good. Independent of me. It's a capital G good thing. Why? Well, because this is the way God made it to be. Because God desires a godly offspring. And that starts with offspring. Now, then you can say, well, yeah, but I mean, my mom gave birth to me, and then what? All of her sin, right? She did this, and she did that, and she never did this for me, and she always did that to me. And it, The sins of our parents will never come to an end if we start searching for them, right? <clears throat> but what do mothers do for us well they feed and nourish us and then they wean us 2nd Timothy 1.5 says for I am mindful of the sincere faith within you Paul is writing to Timothy and he's saying you, you have sincere faith which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and I am sure that it is in you as well What do you see there? You see physical motherhood, right? Connected directly to spiritual motherhood. Not just connected directly to it, but they are one in the same. Timothy's mother was his mother in the faith. Timothy's grandmother was his grandmother in the faith. They fed him. They nourished him. They nourished him not just physically, but spiritually as well. And that's the part that Paul brings out as the beautiful thing about Timothy's mother and his grandmother. And so we, we sit there and we think, well, yeah, I mean, I've got to feed them physical food to keep them alive. And I say, yeah, and you have to feed them spiritual food to keep them alive. Hebrews five twelve through 14 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So weaning is what he's talking about, right? And yet what's he speaking of? He's speaking of the people in the church. And he's talking about the people in the church being immature and having not been weaned to solid food. And in a sense, he's blaming them, right? (laughs) But the church is our mother, and she teaches and instructs the commands of the father to her children. Because of practice, they have their senses trained to discern good and evil. And so you say, well, my mother didn't teach me anything. She abandoned me. She led me to the wolves. She, whatever. I say, have your senses been trained to discern good and evil? Even an evil mother helps with that, doesn't she? She helps develop your senses to discern good and evil because you see the evil and you think that's evil how much more a godly mother how much more a godly mother saying you see this this is good do you see this this is bad learn the difference And this is the opportunity that we have as a church within the world to make children for the Father and then to raise them up into spiritual maturity, which is exactly what Paul is talking about when he's writing to the Corinthians, right? mothers teach the commands of the father to the children <clears throat> all over the place you see this in proverbs proverbs 6:20 says my son observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother what is the mother teaching mother is teaching the command of the father this is the spiritual reality and then you see it come forth in the, in the home, the physical home, right? Continue on, verse 21. Bind them, the teachings of your mother and the commandments of your father. Bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. And when you awake... They will talk to you, for the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is light. And reproofs for discipline are the way of life, to keep you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Whoa, where did that come from? Well, it it came from talking about what the desire is for the outcome for these children, right? What do you want for your children? You want them to grow up to love the Lord and to walk in his way. What higher calling can there be than to be given the work of teaching them so that they then follow his commands. The outcome of that work is preventing children from falling into sin. It's preventing them from going to destruction. And so, that, and so now all of a sudden you see the love the 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 that your heart is at stake when you bear children and this is this is the the risk that a lot of people don't want to take you know i'll just get a dog it's sad enough when a dog dies what if my children die what if they go bad An evil woman teaches her children to disobey their father and then they fall into sin. A godly woman teaches her children to obey their father. Their father earthly and their father heavenly. Well, what does that passage end with? Reproofs for discipline are the way of life to keep you from. So it's not just the teaching, but it's the discipline that mothers do. Mothers discipline their children with the authority of their father. I want you to understand that. Mothers discipline their children with the authority of the father. The church is called to discipline and is given the Father's authority. Matthew 16, 19 says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. John 20, 23 says, If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Now think about a home. The mother says, You may. That's it. The children come to dad. Mommy says, I can go to the. Can I go to the. Why are you asking me? Your mom says, Yes. The answer is yes. Well, of course. Only a two-year-old does that, right? <laughs> From three and on, they get the, the answer that they don't want, and then they, they only come and ask the other parent when they were trying to get a different answer. <laughs> they realized the risk of getting a, a, a no when they had already gotten a yes when they, by the time they turned three or four, right? Right? But think about that. Whatever you bind in heaven shall have been bound. I mean, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. This is the picture that you have, mothers. This is the authority that you have over your children. When dad has gone away to work, you are his authority. You are his representative. And all of this is, is a picture of that bigger spiritual reality. And this is something that is probably the, you know, the hardest part for Christians today, mothers in our church, to understand and to grasp by faith. We've made it through seeing that fruitfulness is good. We've made it through seeing that the work is honorable. But have we made it to the point, and and we've made it through the, the understanding that instruction is, is an essential part of our work. But have we made it to the point, mothers, of seeing that our word carries with it the full weight of the authority of God the Father? That's what's at stake in the words that you speak to your sons and your daughters. And this is why we discipline. We discipline so that they will be prevented from going to destruction. And what do we discipline? We discipline any dishonoring of God the Father, right? But how do, we, how do we see dishonoring of God the Father in a three-year-old? We see dishonoring of God the Father when he doesn't bother to hear his mother's voice. Not just the father, but also the mother, is to be honored by the children. The Ten Commandments don't say, honor your father in heaven and then stop at that. Yeah, that's the start. The first command is, God the Father is father, right? I mean, <laughs> the whole first tablet of the law is about God the fatherhood of God, honoring him, living according to his command, worshiping only him. But then you come to the fifth commandment and it says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. that your days may be prolonged as opposed to running headlong into destruction and dying young. Discipline is the path towards that kind of obedience on the part of our children. Discipline is the walls you set up to make them walk on that path, to learn that path. It's the hedge on either side so that you can't get off it. You start trying to get through the hedge and you realize, this is really painful trying to climb through this hedge. I think I'll just go back on the path. This is the beauty of the dignity of motherhood. And I want us all to understand the dignity of the work of the Church of Jesus Christ raising up a godly seed for the Father because it is only once we see that that we can then understand motherhood as we ought to. As a wonderful thing, a beautiful office, one filled with authority, Taking on the most important job of raising up a godly seed. I'm convinced that our carelessness about the dignity of mothers whether yourself or in the culture as a whole okay reveals the lack of understanding that we have about the dignity and authority of the church our mother and so i insist on this morning talking about the spiritual <laughs> and saying the church has work to be a mother this church we are to be seeking to do the work of mothering it's painful it's messy It's heartbreaking. It's never ending. It's day in and day out. Every hour, they may have needs. They do have needs. This is what it's like to have spiritual children as a church. Do we see it as a good thing? Being a mother, do we see it as a good thing? If we see that as a good thing, then... Then Mother's Day will be quite the day because we'll know what mothering really is. Let's pray.